welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation, a first check venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, New York. We invest in amazing technical teams and projects in New York City on day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Season three of Origins is sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank and Carta, formerly known as eShares. We use Carta and Notation and recommend it to all the startups we work with. But something you might not know is that Carta has a product for LPs too. Carta for LPs allows you to easily sign, send, and store K1s, manage capital calls, review investment KPIs, and more. To learn more about Carta, go to carta.com. Silicon Valley Bank is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors, with a dedicated practice for emerging managers. They've been friends and partners to Notation since the beginning. To learn more about SVB services, visit svb.com. Ro Gupta is the founder and CEO of Carmera. Carmera's mission is to automate cities by maintaining the world's most robust, real-time, street-level intelligence platform and make it accessible to anyone. The company's flagship product is Carmera Autonomous Map, which delivers real-time 3D maps and navigation-critical data for autonomous vehicles. The company is based in Brooklyn, New York, and Roe is the first notation portfolio company founder that we've had on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Very, very special origins. You are not an LP. I'm, I'm not. Or a VC. <laughs> <laughs> Roe is the founder of Carmera, as we mentioned. Um, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Carmera. We are a street-level intelligence platform for autonomy. Uh, more specifically, our main flagship product is a high-definition mapping suite for autonomous vehicle customers. So we can we'll talk more about that if you if you like later. But my my sort of sh- general background uh, been in the New York tech scene for a while. Um, my prior company uh, was Discuss, which is actually originally in the Bay Area, but I was right. the first New York person and um, was there for six years. You know, creating a number of the businesses and products. Um, For folks that don't know, what's Discuss? Oh, yeah, sorry. It's uh, Discuss is the web commenting platform. It's, right. um, you know, sort of that JavaScript commenting widget you see on a ton of sites on the web still. And uh, blogs we, and yep, exactly. all sorts of places. Yeah. And, you know, Publishers. We, yep. Yeah. So I was the fifth person, I think, um, the first sort of exact um, business person. And, you know, we helped grow that thing to two billion uniques. And, you know, so, uh, I think we had three different businesses, SaaS, advertising, and then data. And then actually that, that actually ended up being um, one of the influences in me wanting to start a, a data company. Right. But, but my, you were yeah. based here and the team was all out west? Well, we, started, we ended up starting an office in New York, but yeah, okay. I was going back and forth a lot. Um, Got it. And you know, one of our main investors at the time was here, the media world is here, so it just made a lot of sense to, to have someone here anyway. Right, um, right. And then, um, yeah, and then before that, uh, you know, I was in sort of big companies and professional services. My undergrad, I was in um, in engineering, believe it or not, autonomous transit, even back in the 90s when I was okay. in college. And then um, going back way farther, I um, actually was born in India and, and moved to the States when I was about four or five. So that's... Where'd you grow up? 
and in the Philly suburbs. Okay, Go that's birds. right. That's right. Um, and Carmera is based in Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn, but we have an HQ too. It's the, oh, the right. opposite of Amazon. Our our right. HQ one is in New York. Our HQ two <laughs> is in New York is in Seattle. <laughs> nice. Um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the decision to leave Discuss. You were there for six years, I think, right? Which yeah. is in uh, yes. startup terms, you know, maybe decades. <laughs> um, how did you uh, plan for and think about leaving Discuss and and why and how did how did ultimately that lead you to Carmera? Yeah, I mean, it was um, you know probably not too uh, unfamiliar a story. You know, it had had a great ride there yeah. um you know i still have great relationships and it was actually what i love about this world that we're in if you're in the right situation like people get it that you know you're gonna go over some kind of arc and then be ready for the next thing so i was able to be very open with you know the board and with you know my colleagues there about hey look at this point i'm gonna be you know, thinking about my next thing. I, and I, I said that before I even knew for sure. Right. Um, and, you know, at the time, this is uh, summer of 2014. Um, I was poking around at a bunch of ideas and, um, you know, some of the ideas were like, Oh, this thing doesn't work in my life. I think I have a, an idea to fix it, but I wasn't mm -hmm. necessarily that enthused about the actual mm -hmm. space it was in, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and actually, you know, one thing that, you know, I remember on my roof at the time, um, I was telling Daniel that, uh, this is the, the CEO of Discuss and my good friend still, um, you know, about what the fact that I want to do something new and I had a few ideas and, you know, one of the key pieces of advice he gave me early on was, you know, make sure you pick something in a category or space that, you know, you will enjoy doing for yeah. a decade, maybe even two, you know, yeah. because it's going to change. Your first idea is going to stink and mm -hmm. you don't want to wake up one day being like, wait a second, I'm in, sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to uh, talk poorly of any one industry, but you know, yeah. like something that doesn't interest me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and I don't like it and I'm stuck. So, so, you know, and that's, that's basically where I kind of rekindled my prior interests in um, mobility, right. transportation, and then a lot of things were happening that summer in right. autonomous vehicles. So. so this was summer, right, summer 2014. 2014 yeah. um, actually that summer, Alex and I, mm -hmm. We're just starting to raise our first fund, actually, which is when we met. We met through Jake Levine, I believe. That's right. Who's um, an advisor and part-time partner to Notation and we've worked with in the past. So I think when we first met, Carmera was the early beginnings of like a dash cam yeah, or something like that, right? Our camera, yeah. Right. <laughs> so... so um, Walk me through that early thinking and how that ultimately led to the founding of Carmera, which I guess was maybe end of 2014. Uh, depends where you peg it, but yeah. something like that. I mean, we raised our first seed round in spring of 2015. So, right, yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I, I, so going back to what I was saying, you know, I, the actually idea for Carmera came more because, okay, you know, yes, like I'm, I should really pick a space that I, I'd be willing to be in for you know, the rest of my life and, you know, almost willing to to do the job for free because I'm so passionate about it. And, you know, transportation, autonomy. I also, by having lived in, um, you know, developing countries, right? Uh, having done some projects and NGO projects in developing countries, I, I think also had a real appreciation for um, 
like urban infrastructure. Like you, you don't take for granted roads when you, you know, when you live in um, certain developing countries. Right. And I thought, you know, figuring out um, kind of a unsolved problem in just general infrastructure that's so vital to life would be really interesting. And I, I basically just started talking to, you know, I, along the way, of course, there's all these sort of th thought pieces being written about autonomous vehicles. And, right. This not just the direct effects, but the second order effects, and it was starting to get real. Like I think, I think earlier that year, Google had started to go public about their project. You know, they right. released a bunch of screenshots of their, you know, fancy maps of Mountain View. Right. Um, Cruise was they hadn't they hadn't got bought yet, but they you know did kind of come out of YC, I think, and yep. um, yeah, they're doing some interesting Tesla, same. And I talked to some of the some of the folks in the industry, the few people who were actually really working on the problem at the time. Um, you know, some of them off the record. Um, and that's where, you know, the, it was clear that, um, for sort of truly fully autonomous vehicles, this, this mapping piece of the stack was becoming critical and, yeah. um, and it's a very hard thing to do yourself or at least maintain those maps. There's, there was just no, you know, at the time everyone was sort of rolling their own, but there was no like real answer to the to the problem because the incumbent uh, companies were either not uh, making that data available, right. like, a, like a Google, um, right. or just you know had had decades of legacy infrastructure that were more focused on standard what's what we call standard definition maps for um, automotive navigation, right. like the you know the right. dash nav, you know the map you see there, like yep. companies like TomTom here, yep. um, and so this next generation of mapping was clear was going to be a huge um, opportunity, and not just for um, not just for automotive, but, you know, I think a lot, another thing that really inspired me was working with, um, w at discuss as I created the initial data business, um, there. And so the first kind of product we had was essentially our version of the discuss fire hose, you know, it was kind of like the Twitter fire hose. Yep. So we sort of, uh, followed suit. We actually, um, partnered with the company that Twitter bought a company called Gnip right. and That's learned right. a lot about emerging data markets. Um, found it really fascinating by then also, you know, the infrastructure, the tools, you know, whether it's for real time or Hadoop or whatever it is, had actually been built to be able to manage and make use of mm -hmm. enormous amounts of data. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we started, so basically all those things converged that summer and, you know, we're pretty confident that there's a there there in the abstract opportunity. But the key was, okay, how do you actually build something as a startup that can be meaningful um, in terms of building these next generation maps, keeping them up to date, which is really the, you know, that's one yeah. of the biggest challenges. And competing against and co exactly. huge companies yeah. that have yeah. billions like, of What are dollars. the dynamics of that? Are they... Right. You know, are the incumbents going to be tempted to um, just dominate this? Are the customers going to want to just do it themselves? Right. All those questions we right. asked, and we, you know, we we really like, literally asked those questions to those people. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Doing that off the record is really helpful because right. people can just tell you. And but you know, it was clear that there was um, there was an opportunity because of you know the some of the classic innovator dilemma type you know dynamics of some of the big companies. Um, or just because of you know, kind of other um, reasons for not wanting to go into the space, and and then the the actual mechanism um, was yeah basically like you know actually one of the people um, I talked to uh, was working on a driverless car concept, and you know was basically saying he has to you know he has to be a cloud data company 
in addition to being kind of a you know like a right. mechanical uh, right. you know, company. And so, you know, right then I was like, well, I wonder if instead of having to like build a full driverless car to capture the data, you know, you could, there's, there's another mechanism. Um, and, um, and dash cams actually, it's funny that year, another thing co totally coincidentally happened. Um, there was a lot of those, like, do you remember those like R Russian meteor, uh, viral videos that were going around? I don't know if you remember that. Um, I'm getting some smiles from Ben, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. but they were like, you know, so like there's, there's crazy videos of like meteors crashing through the sky. And, and the thing is it happens so quick that it's not fast enough for someone with a smartphone to catch it. Oh, but wow. if a car's driving around and happens to have a camera pointed, oftentimes that's how those oh, things wow. are captured. Okay. And it turns out like in Asia, you know, like. You know, Russia and yeah. China, et cetera. Yeah. These, these things are all over the place. Like, wow. you know, at, at that point, you know, you almost never saw dash cams in the States, but right. you were seeing them in Asia and then you were starting to see like taxis in San Francisco mm, start right. to That's drive right. with them. So that was the original thought is, you know, can we basically create a consumer device, but for uh, I'll, to capture all the mapping. Yeah. To basically act as exactly act as kind of like, um, you know, kind of a crowdsource mechanism yeah. to capture visual data, not just, yep. you know, yep. PS data or something. Yep. So um, the the rest of the story is a bit longer, but long story short, one thing we really did was we were very careful with, like, I, like we, we still felt there was a number of flaws with that approach. Um, the dash cam model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, so we just, we were really good at, we were really like validated and also ultimately invalidated that idea or that version of the idea uh, because we just talked to a lot of customers early on. And this was still while I was a discuss, you know, just kind of nights and yeah, weekends. And, yeah. and then the other thing that we were, you know, pretty methodical about was the founding team. This is like yeah. the ultimate idea and just the opportunity was great, but very like a lot of moving parts to it. Pretty complicated, pretty big undertaking. So. Yeah. How, how did you go about? Cause we, we met and it was, you know, uh, you, you, and saw, you, you and a dash cam. You saw all of that, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the team that you assembled around, around Carmera is, I mean, I think it's probably one of the better engineering teams at any startup in New York. How did you go about assembling that early founding team? Yeah, I mean, um, honestly, it was like, there was a couple other folks that I uh, was friendly with, who we were thinking about doing it together, we're still friendly with. They're actually both advisors. One was at Google at the time and now at right. Uber. Another one was uh, Judd right. uh, Valesky, right. one of the co-founders of Gnip, yep. who's also an investor in us. Yep. And you know, we all, it was really, like it was very a healthy process because we both kind of understood the pros and cons of doing this together versus looking for other founding partners. And we all decided like, it, honestly, one of the easiest things was they were, um, one of them was in the Bay Area, the other in Boulder. And right. while we're tempted to either move there or do a bi-coastal thing, it just, um, there was actually a bunch of reasons why I actually thought it would be um, advantageous to, to start this company in New York because, um, you know, it's, it's actually unusual for an autonomous vehicle tech company right. to be here. But, right, um, they're mostly out advantage. west in the Bay. Yeah, and you know, Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh, right, yeah. But um, there's a number of advantages which you can talk about, but like, it's basically, this is like a small country, and if you can prove things out here, right. you know, there's, it's um, it's also like a From very- From a density perspective. Yeah, it's also very difficult to map, which we liked. Yep. We wanted to start with one of the hardest problems. Um, but then the other reason was, you know, we've built up, um, you know, like a great community here and, you know, um, there's just, there is terrific talent. And, and then I ultimately, you know, be, between 
a few of us, including you guys, you know, one of the reasons I really wanted to find a way to work with you is um, how tapped into the talent um, scene in New York, um, especially like kind of knowing about people who were thinking about things before, you know, maybe I would have caught wind of it. And, um, and ultimately, um, I got introduced uh, by um, a friend to Justin Day, who was right. the CTO of Carmera. I'm sorry, the CTO of MakerBot at Maker the time. Bot, yeah. He was also, I, you know, I'd never actually, I don't think we had actually met, but I knew some of his co-founders at Blip TV, right. which was a mid-2000s, I think, uh, startup that was pretty well known in New York tech. And I, um, you know, so I knew them a bit and... Um, you know, I think we kind of knew of each other and, you know, it was, it was clear that this was uh, the, the right fit. He was rolling off MakerBot yeah. that spring of 2015 yeah. and we're, you know, we are like, okay, this is the time. Yeah. And you guys have tons of MakerBot uh, folks now that have joined, which is, which is awesome too. And I think it shows the kind of evolution of the New York City talent. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, that, that, that was the other thing that was happening is MakerBot, you know, there's a lot of turnover happening at, yeah. at MakerBot. We got a lot of the benefit of that. Um, the same thing, by the way, we're seeing in Seattle. We, we, we started a Seattle office last year where a lot of our geospatial or mapping talent right. is. And, you know, they're also kind of a lot of them are alums from, right. you know, companies like Inrix or, you know, right. um, Bing Maps or whatever, right. Apple Maps, Amazon Maps. Yeah. So, so Carmera has been somewhat stealthy actually over the last uh, couple years intentionally. You just recently uh, have started, um, uh, you know, uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit. You won Best in Show, Startup of the Year, and the Autonomous Driving Product of the Year. You took, you basically swept the whole thing at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, you have the largest autonomous vehicle taxi deployment in the world. Um, where is that, by the way? That's with our partner. We also announced in January. That's right. uh, Voyage, uh, it's right? A great company. Um, and you're 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 providing all the software yeah. We're their uh, exclusive, uh, you know, kind of long term mapping partner everywhere. And we the first, um, well, actually, their first deployment was in San Jose, but the right. first one we announced together was in uh, a city called the villages in Florida that's right which is a really interesting place it's huge it's you know it's it's bigger than you know Boston bigger than Manhattan um, right and you know it, it has like three downtowns and it has you know 150,000 residents they're mostly retirees right but it's one of the fastest growing cities in the US and right. you know it's an obvious place for this kind of technology it's a serious unmet need and voyage and Carmera are gonna have uh, fully autonomous yeah cars on the road yeah that piece of news yeah that piece yeah that piece of news was especially um meaningful to us because um you know they um a couple reasons we're first of all we learned a lot um you know we were yeah you're right we were pretty under the radar even after we launched uh publicly last summer um and you know we were kind of working on um, the first uh, sort of the MVP of our of our full stack HD mapping um, right. offering, and um, what does that look like from a technology perspective? Because you're not using dash cams obviously anymore. Well, we are sort of, but that's it's more of a B two B approach. So basically, the way we build our maps, in the short version of it is there's it's a two part approach, and so you know we um, we create static, like fairly static, but you know very high accuracy three dimensional maps using lidar as well as yep. other sensors like cameras yep. and yep. other higher end equipment. Um, we use our own vehicles. We sometimes use our customers' vehicles or or partner um, yep. vehicles uh, for 
projects around the world. And then, but the, the dynamic layer on top of it is where that kind of, you know, that crowdsourcing element, we actually call it prosourcing because the, the main thing we changed about our initial dashcam idea was we didn't, we wanted to work with professional fleets. And so right. instead of like, you know, commuters, so right. we actually partner with them uh, to provide them a video monitoring service as well as other safety analytics uh, in a dashboard. And they give you back and, all the imaging data terrific, for free. Yeah, really, really right. great. Uh, very refreshed data at, at, in high coverage areas. Yep. So, yeah, so that's that's just generally um, how it's set up. We, we also are able to get change detection from our actual customers' autonomous vehicles. Yeah. But we didn't want to depend on that um, from the get-go because it ends up being a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Um, so... Our announcement of the voyage was really a, a meaningful one for us because a um, we had you know spent a lot of time uh, obviously on the core tech, but actually um, we'd also spent a lot of time figuring out how to be different in our space, you know. And we right. knew a little bit about the incumbents, we knew a little bit about other startups, but the voyage partnership was the first time there was like a pretty extensive bake off essentially. Okay, you know, they looked at a lot of different alternatives, including buy versus build, particularly mapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Solutions. what I mean. For mapping. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we kind of um, got very good at understanding how to like interpret, you know, their pain points and really like have that really deeply permeated into how we develop the product right. as opposed right. to just kind of an afterthought, right. like a sales engineer conversation right. or something, right? Um, and, but the other, um, yeah, the other exciting elements was the scale of it. You know, this is not just some little five five mile loop in you know mountain view or something right. where people are doing some closed testing this is 750 miles of road that need to be mapped and kept up to date right um, down in and, florida yeah, yeah yeah um and and also not just for r&d this is for productions for real passengers yep. who are you know most of them are not tech savvy so yep. So all those things were very exciting and um, it's, yeah, it, that, I mean, there's, there's some other things we can't talk about yet that are a little bit more traditional, you know, kind of larger companies, R and D phases. Yep. Those are important too. But, yep. um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, January was a full yeah. month. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, right? Cause I've been, when we first met three years ago, as you mentioned, there was like Google was unveiling their, their big project and, um, Obviously, you mentioned Cruise was just kind of getting going, yeah. but it seems like even in the past few years, the AV space is just... I, mean, oh, I would say, it's, it's like for us at least, in what we do, I would say the past like 10 months or right. something like that, right. there's been a palpable difference in in people kind of transitioning from, you know... Getting getting the buzz going, getting people excited to really focusing on like what the real problems are, and also being really honest about what um, you know they can do themselves or should do themselves versus what they right. you know looking for help right. with, and that includes anywhere from small startups yeah. all the way through the big yeah. OEMs. Yeah, yeah. So how did you like when we first met? You were you were thinking about how to finance the company. You were kind of somewhere in between angel or seed or um, pre-seed, post-seed. I, you know, <laughs> I, talk, talk to me a little bit about maybe how, how you ran the fundraising yeah. process, especially for a, you know, very ambitious mapping yeah, and yeah. data company well, here I, in New York. Here's what happened. I'm sure uh, he won't mind me saying this. I think he's been a guest on your show, but... Basically, um, I was still at Discuss. I had this idea floating around, and um, Samil, Samil Shah, right. um, 
was somehow got wind of, or maybe we just caught up. You know, he was friendly with with Discuss and a lot of the folks there, and 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 myself included. And um, I think we just I just started riffing a bit on it, and um, and then and then he was I think one of the first, if not the first, to just say like, wherever you take this, you know, I'm in. You know, right. uh, and I that was at the point where I still didn't like the idea enough to want to do it, but that was like that was really a nice bit of validation to. Yeah you know, keep me motivated to really keep going on it. Um, and then, and then actually you guys may have, that been, is awesome. You guys may have been the second ones who yeah. had, we had a similar conversation with cause Jake, I actually reached out to Jake because I didn't know much about hardware at the time. And we thought, Oh, we might, we might have to build a bunch right. of these, you know, right. Devices. That's right. And that's right. Uh, so he was, uh, he had started a, a consumer electronics company himself yep. at the time. And, and then, you know, he gave me feedback, but then at the end of it, he's like, by the way, you know, there's these guys yeah. <laughs> raising these two, this. These two questionable dudes. Yeah, and, but, and actually, I was kind of, it was kind of, I was a little surprised that we didn't know each other yet because, you know, you guys are Betaworks. We have yeah. a ton of friends in yeah. common, but we just hadn't run into each other. Um, but I remember actually now that you're asking me about it, there was, um, you know, we were in the posture of like, you know, we're pretty old school, right? So like we were, we were still in the like, hey, you know, you you bootstrap it, you know, mm-hmm. you get a proper prototype, mm-hmm. then you you know, mm-hmm. you do it the old fashioned way. Mm-hmm. But this was also 2014, 2015, like the historical peak of the seed market, mm-hmm. and we were getting encouraged, no, no, do it, yeah, you know, yeah, raise a healthy round now, yeah, and um, so we were kind of debating that, and then the other thing is, um, you know, when I talked to Jake, as, as I was just about to say. He used this description of you guys. Um, let me see if I can remember. Oh, okay. I think he used the words. They're raising some kind of fund, and they're really focusing on people at an uncomfortably early stage. Yeah, I think yeah. that was the word. Yeah, um, that's probably what. And I, but like not recklessly. Like you know, you guys had a thesis mm-hmm. around you know people who were had mm-hmm. were on their second or third rodeo, and you know some other things about mm-hmm. the the New York tech scene. And I thought, oh, that's that's really interesting. Like I, on one hand, I didn't necessarily feel like, you know, at least I and, you know, I think especially when Justin came to the picture, we have families, we had done startups before, we yeah. weren't necessarily looking to do like a accelerator, we would have to move away for three yeah. months yeah. and all that. Yeah. But I think having, you know, some kind of partners in crime that add a little bit of kind of institutional, like keep, you know, keep yourself honest, mm-hmm. check in on sounding board was, um, attractive. Um, and, and by the way, like from a equity standpoint was, you know, more so you, typically more attractive, uh, at least at the time for us yep. than a traditional accelerator. Yeah. And, um, and so then, yeah. And then I had never heard the term precede and all that. And then we met. Um, and so, yeah, the, I mean, the rest is history. Somewhat. <laughs> I mean, there's although some... you still told us you're going to raise more money, and uh, <laughs> you know we had to claw our way into the round. But um, uh, no, I think um, yeah, for the for the for the audience, I mean, uh, you ended up raising a couple million dollars. It was from a traditional seed firm, and and um, we were fortunate enough to participate. But it was actually a. Um, one of our few exceptions of participating in in a larger seed round in our first fund, and we'll probably make yeah. make some more going forward. Partly inspired by uh, <laughs> partly inspired by you. Um, so to change gears just a bit, um, indeed, this is this is an experiment. This is supposed to be a podcast about LPs. <laughs> uh, uh, we we can make an exception for for an, a founder or two here and there, but. Um, so you and I have had some had 
have had actually had a number of conversations over the years about, um, I would say the capital stack broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I want to talk about how you think about LPs. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to start the conversation, you know, we've also talked about you potentially starting to invest a little bit. And so maybe that's a good place to start um, in terms of how you think about, not, not you know, you're not, you're going to keep your day job, <laughs> uh, I hope, but um, thinking about maybe investing a bit back into the into the ecosystem as an angel or an advisor, or maybe, you know, something that we've talked about, you've also considered um, making some small LP investments. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, my interest in the full stack um, is, I mean, yeah. So like, you know, get, get approached sometimes and opportunistically like to be stay plugged in. Um, yeah. And if I can be helpful, you know, even outside of anything formal, I'll try to be, but you know, I have, right two small kids and this really complicated company to run. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, you know, not looking to be, um, kind of a super active or professional angel yeah. anytime soon, but, or LP. Um, but, but actually like the, you know, the, honestly, this is not just pandering to you, but my interest in, in kind of the LP side really was largely because of working with you guys. And, and in fact, um, when Jake was telling me about you, um, in addition to kind of your investing thesis, he, he, I think he did mention, cause I think, I don't know if you guys actually had started any blogging or podcasting yet, but he'd mentioned that you guys wanted to demystify the whole right. LP side of things right. a bit as, you know, part of notation sort of contribution yep. community. And, you know, it was like, and, and then he actually, he said another thing. So he said, he said, by the way, like, you know, I, I, uh, I actually ran this by, um, a f- like actually a, a very good friend of both of ours. Okay. Um, may or may not have even been on this pod. And okay. apparently Jake, uh, said that when he, when he asked this person, Hey, you know, what do you think about this? Like, you know, sort of more content around what's the LP side of it right. looks like. And, right. you know, why don't you, this person was an uh, investor, uh, you know, have you guys thought about, you know, kind of uh, talking more about who your LPs are? Right. And his initial response was, well, we don't think people would find it that in- interesting. Right. And I, I don't right. think he meant it as dismissively. I think he just, yeah. that was his honest reaction. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, no, back up. Actually, no, that makes perfect. I, I haven't like, it doesn't like keep me up at night, but actually it would be very interesting to know right. where the money's coming from. Yeah. It would be very interesting to know how that all works. Um, it would be, um, I, I also think, I mean, I maybe I'm probably not young enough th- for this demographic, but I, I also think that there's a generational attitude about, you know, giving more of a shit about, yeah. uh, are we allowed to curse on, on a word? Yeah, sure. Um, about, damn, about, damn, damn about where the money's coming from yeah. and, you know, like, is it some, some organization or some sovereign wealth fund that you disagree with and it's a yeah. problem for recruiting, you know, yeah. people care now. And, and then the other thing is, you know, I I think especially at my prior startup, I got really good at, um, you know, I used to call this uh, like method, you know, business development or method okay. pitching or whatever. It's uh, kind of a hokey term I just use for myself. Don't okay. worry, I'm not going to write some what is it? medium thought piece on it. But what is basically it? it's like, meth, you know, applying like the, the concept of like method acting almost right. to like your job, you know? And so right. that would be like, you know, discuss, like I, you know, I found like, okay, I'm going to meet with so-and-so, you know, head of BD or product at so-and-so, you know, big corporate media company, like, 
you know, beyond even just like the basic product benefits and features, like I kind of want, I want to understand how this person, like what this person's thinking about when, right. when they wake up in the morning, right. who they want, they're trying to impress at right. work, what makes them look bad, you know, like really, really get in, right. in there. In, under, that's in, smart. So, in, so, so, so for VCs, that's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, like, right, uh, right. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. So you're saying that in your former life as head of BDA Discuss, one of the ways essentially you would try to sell and create partnerships was literally trying to wake up in the morning and put yourself in the shoes. I mean, of that I, I, I I don't know if I went that far, but I would Something be like, like before me, I'm like, okay, right. you know, Sally Smith, right? Th- I know this about her background. Right. I know this about her boss. How right. did she? How is she probably thinking about this week right. or this day? What's stressing her out and what's going to excite the hell out of her? Right. And I found like that so kind of un- thinking was right. yeah, it's just like really consultative relationship building, um, and that's just kind of how I like to. And so understanding that same yes. type of thing through the perspective yes. of a VC. Yeah, yes. I want to know, that's, that's you know, kind of the pressures right. and, right. and both inhibitors and motivators you're feeling right. from that side of it. And same with, um, you know, my other investors, uh, whether or not that impacts me directly, it's, yeah. you know, I think it's useful to know. Yeah. Um, do you, are you, do you think you're unique? Like, like I get the broad sense that there is, growing interest in the capital stack mm-hmm. from not just because folks sometimes ask us like who listens to your podcast and I'm like I can't believe anybody listens to the <laughs> podcast but but you know I would say it's a lot of VCs and LPs but I have noticed that um, I just hear for, hear yeah. comments here and yeah. there from founders more often yeah. over the last couple of years that are like actually that was kind of helpful and interesting but do you think that's just anecdotal or do you well, get a sense because you know you're friends with lots of other founders yeah. in the community do you get the sense that here's what i'll say there's growing interest in that or, or i'll say there's interest your- when it's put out there so like this is perfect this was in my case too right like i didn't really even think about the lp side of things at all much it was only really when you know you jake brought it up you guys brought it up as yeah. um kind of this thought leadership area and then it clicked and was like yeah actually uh, that is interesting, and I and I've met some of your LPs, you know, a, a bunch right. of them, right. and I wanted to go to those dinners because, you know, for all the reasons I just described. Right. Um, but I, yeah, would I have had that same, you know, intrigue about it if you hadn't presented to me as right. something you were thinking about demystifying? Right. I don't know. Maybe not. What are some of the things that you would think about or evaluate or consider as a you know very small potential new new LP or angel? Well, either so on the me, company side or the fund side. Uh, let's start with the fund side. Sure. Um, for me, um, you know, I would be doing it um, for a couple reasons. You know, first of all, like, and then the reason I'm starting with the fund side is that um, if I if I did this, it would be to kind of um, find a, a very efficient mechanism for me to uh, be both engaged and also. Um, you know, get to to get wind of a lot of interesting things happening right. in my right. community, especially right. here in New York, but right. everywhere else too. So, you know, I think um, doing that through a fund makes a ton of sense. And um, I think um, as in you got you one of the one of the purposes that uh, you would do this, I'm hearing is because just you want like broader access and yeah, well, community yeah, and look, building I'm, and that's easier yeah. to do through a fund. Well, you know, a few well. years ago I was able to like go to a bunch of meetups and, you know, go do drink ups with people and get windy of things that way. But right. 
I have two kids now and right, um, right, you know, right, right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm very judicious with my time. It's mm -hmm. basically all Carmera and family, mm -hmm. not in that order. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but so like, this is a really nice way now though, to try to really add, you know, still pay things forward, but also somewhat selfishly make mm -hmm. sure I'm still plugged in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there's some really interesting, you know, uh, kind of groups that are forming around, I think that are reaching out to people like myself who, mm -hmm. you know, maybe aren't full-time angels mm -hmm. or have been doing this a long time, but have something to offer and in return, you know, want that same kind of, um, level of insight essentially. Right. Um, so that's, that's the way I've looked at it. I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I was actually just squatting at, uh, a different notation portfolio company, uh, okay. right before this because okay. <laughs> their office is nearby. Okay. And, um, he is like a little bit more active in oh, angel yes. investing. Yeah, I know who you're and, talking about. um, you know, we were actually just talking about this topic and, yeah. um, you know, I think, um, I, so I guess if you're asking like, am I the typical founder LP? Maybe I am for like a certain demographic of, you know, um, you know, you have limited time, but you have the interest in getting right. engaged and this is a really good vehicle to do it. I do have other friends like this person and tons of other, um, you know, startup people, entrepreneurs, uh, who are actually pretty active and some of them are even thinking about their own funds. Right. For me, um, you know, I still like, I'm not doing, I wouldn't do investing to try to develop like a track record for becoming a VC someday. Right. Um, you know, my, my interests are, are different right now. Yeah. So you've been an operator at startups now for about 10 years, call it mm -hmm. almost, um, been through a few startups. Carmera is, uh, is your, is your own. Um, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned now almost 10 years in and also as a founder that you maybe wish you had known either when you were starting Carmera or, um, or earlier back to discuss or, and, and, uh, or even earlier? Well, I think, um, or what are some of the things that you maybe, uh, messed up in the early days of Carmera that you maybe would have done a little differently? Um, well, that's always, that's always a fun one. I mean, I, I will say like one, we were actually, I think smarter about, um, being very disciplined and even ruthless about, you know, pulling the brakes on, you know, pushing the brakes on stuff that didn't work early on hmm. and, um, Ekramer. not getting too enamored. Yeah. Not yeah. getting too enamored with your first idea. You know, like we talked right. about that. Right. So particularly um, moving away from the dash cam stuff and more, whatever like it is. And there's, stuff, there's a right. bunch of other examples. Like, yeah. you know, we definitely, there's a, a number of things that we guessed wrong on, but we guessed, but we realized that early on and we were very, yeah. very cognizant of it. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of it is because of, you know, previous lessons learned at, at, you know, discuss and, and other areas. Um, and, um, so I think like in terms of a, a new lesson learned though, well, well, this is a, this is like a very kind of, you know, kind of New York um, tech scene type of rah-rah, but it does, it's not meant to be. It's meant to be very practical. Like I think one, you know, we, we started Carmera in New York be, because of actually some very uh, specific product advantages we thought it would give us. Yeah. Uh, and also for personal reasons. But yep. I think what we realized was how beneficial it was to be in um, areas with great talent, but without, um, necessarily like the, you know, the craziness of having to compete yeah. for, you yeah. know, others in our space for other, with aut other autonomous vehicle companies. Yep. And, um, 
we doubled down on that by starting our Seattle office last summer. In some ways, I, I kind of wish we had just done that sooner. Mm. And, uh, you know, we also, a big reason we did that was actually our chief product officer, um, a guy named Ethan Sorogreen. He was our first, um, the first person from Seattle there. He was kind of doing the back and forth for a while. Yeah. And, um, you know, just like, I'm not saying we're cornering the market or something like that, but we yeah. are pretty unique in terms of, you know, doing what we do in those two markets. Um, you know, there's not that many other places to yeah. work where you can work on the tech that we're working, like yep. actually powering real robots driving on streets. Yeah. Uh, and yet they have amazing talent. Um, you know, in, in New York, we, we know that in Seattle, uh, a big reason was, a lot, you know, a lot of the people with kind of mapping DNA. So I think just being, you know, we were, I think the, the short answer to your question is being a little bit more open to, you know, multiple um, locations, not necessarily going full distributed, right? Um, but not being afraid of that. And, and we also learned it was like, you know, not that hard. Like, you know, we're getting good at communicating over, you know, Slack and yeah. Hangouts. Yeah. And yeah. You know what I think you've also done a good job at? You've stayed lean. You know, we were in the mindset of, either don't raise anything and bootstrap right. or yeah. raise a little bit, kind of like, you know, yeah. what you guys used to call pre-seed, yeah. what you call first check now, you know, yeah. more six figures or something like that. And cause that's just our DNA. That's just like what, how we were raised <laughs> to, yeah. you know, to, to start a startup like, yes. uh, and, um, and the world changed. Uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. I think it's great actually that, you know, the, the seed side, there's so much more opportunity for people who do want to try something. Yeah. Um, but um, but we didn't want to lose that you know that kind of core sensibility of you know don't don't just don't just mold your burn to your yeah. um, to your you know your check uh, um, yeah you know just be thoughtful about why yeah. are you actually um, spending this it's really hard I think in, in just practice it's it's really hard to do what we even back to BetaWorks um, we saw Alex and I saw you know. Two similar companies raise two very different amounts of money, mm -hmm. both spending all of the dollars in the bank and making similar progress. Well, that's what everyone. I mean, it's yeah. it's just it it's yeah. it's it seems so counterintuitive, but it, in practice, we I've just seen that so many times over the years. Yeah, I mean, especially in those stages, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you also have to be aggressive when it makes sense, but yeah, for sure. By the way, I'm curious. And I, I know I said I wouldn't ask you questions, but I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, I lied. Uh, Not allowed on our podcast. Uh, <laughs> keep it rolling, Ben. Yeah. Um, what this is the first? So this is the first time you've had a an actual, someone from the um, the startup side, the founder side, on. This is the first time we've I think we've ever interviewed anyone from uh, our portfolio companies. Okay. Um, You're well, the first founder. We've, like, we've uh, interviewed. This is where like Cheers went from Diane to. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's the, uh, it's the end of, end of like an era. Three's company. Yeah. Three's account. <laughs> no. Um, well, anyway, well, thank you. First of all, that's, that's really yeah. cool. But uh, my question is related to that. I was just curious, you know, you guys, apart from your thesis around the fund and, you know, all that, I know that's probably evolved in, in notation too. I'm actually curious about how this, you know, the whole origins and kind of the, um, isn't there something like a hashtag you guys coined, like open LP? That wasn't us. That was uh Beezer oh, okay. from Sapphire. Oh, but. Yes, yes. But just I'm just curious like how you know, you were asking me some questions about what founders care about or what people care about on on the you know the LP side. Uh I'm curious what you've actually heard from your own the rest of the portfolio companies or other people you talk to. Like what do you think is or isn't 
know, resonating in terms of lifting the veil on, on a lot of this. I think from our cohort. Yeah, I think if you compare the world today to two or three years ago when we started this podcast, and one of the early ideas for Notation was to um, was to actually publish all of our LPs. Yeah. Um, it took us a little while to actually get around that, but we finally did. Uh, actually, just a just a couple months ago when we announced our first, uh, sorry, when we announced our second fund, we you can go to. Um, uh, basically, our team page on Notation site, you can see oh, yeah, yeah. all of our LPs, both the institutions and individuals. So that's been a long time coming and something that we're excited about. But I think the, um, I think the the biggest difference between today and a few years ago was that um, a few years ago, it was uh, it was unclear that we could ever get any. LP to go on the record. Right. <laughs> um, and a lot of the folks that we tried to get onto this podcast in the early days, except for a few uh, very supportive people like Beezer or uh, Michael Kim at Sandana and a few others, um, you know, we got told to screw off yeah. <laughs> essentially um, by almost, you know, by almost everyone. Um, and that was because it didn't feel like there was any real incentive for the LP community to market themselves. Um, similar, I think, to venture a decade or two ago, you know, before yeah. Fred Wilson yeah. and for Brad Feld and some of these other bloggers, the reality is that like VCs didn't really need to market themselves to win. Right. People just came to them. Right. Yeah. And I so, think that's different I today. See. Yeah. You know, VCs now have to yeah. market themselves, I think. And not everybody, but. Certainly, that is one strategy. But do you think that's true of LPs too? I think it. I think that's just starting really? to turn in the last year or two, where the LP community increasingly feels like, um, at least certain parts of the LP community feel like, actually, marketing can be an advantage, mm. and that telling the world about who they are and what they do and why they're value-added LPs and not just capital, I think that is becoming. Uh, something that some LPs view as a uh, could be a competitive mm. well, advantage. Do you think that's also because there a lot of them are direct investing, or you know more so than some of them are investing in startups? And the reality is that uh, I think it's become more competitive to get into the best VC funds. Mm -hmm. So they feel like, all right, what are the small little things here and mm -hmm. there that can serve as a competitive differentiator? Um, that's certainly. I think that's still true for a small amount of the LP community, but it's growing. Mm. And um, and so, you know, it's a lot easier to convince folks to go on the record from the LP community today than it was three years. It was virtually impossible a few years ago. And now, you know, maybe it's only 50% of the time we, tell, <laughs> we get told to get lost. Um, so that that's, that's you know, that's been actually really exciting to, to watch. And, um, you know, uh, I think our last, well, by the time we publish this, uh, our previous episode or two will be our first episode with a sovereign wealth fund yeah. on the show, yeah. and um, it's with the with the Danish growth fund. And um, I think that would have been virtually impossible or unheard of yeah. a few years ago. So yeah. that cool. um, that's well. What about though on your demand side? Or sorry, I guess um, yeah. Well, let's just, what about you when you're courting? Um, you know, company uh, and like, are you, do you actually talk about, you know, this whole 
side of notation and you know this whole origins LP community or um, is it more just kind of a side like do you, do you see it as a competitive differentiator for you guys with with founders, founders you're trying to back yeah I hope it indicates who we are in that you know we want to be get to that yeah right we want to yeah. be uh genuine transparent nothing to hide open book type type of folks and I think that's generally how we try to operate well, well, and run our business and that. hopefully yeah. that Hopefully that that that. What I was going to say is the two things that it was a signal to me for when I didn't yeah. even know you guys was that the point yeah. you just made. Yeah. So chances are we probably have pretty common values. And then the second was they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have pretty good like community building skills. You know right. that might be with that might be with tech people, talent. Right. That might be with other investors. And you don't need all of your investors to be all you know chummy chummy and like the best networkers, yeah. but it's yeah. nice to have a few that are. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a, just a good signal that you're you're able to do that, even if a specific community you're building is not a yeah. direct everyday yeah. interest. And you look on you know <clears throat> the the goals you know you look on finally we have a real website notation.vc and you go to the site and you do see you know aside from the thirty com thirty portfolio companies or so that we have now you see lots of uh, individual LPs and institutions and we have this part-time partner and advisor program and so the hope is that through all of those things there's a big community of people primarily here in New York City mm -hmm. that can help one another succeed in some way so right. um, this was not meant to be a podcast about me <laughs> I know. Uh, but I appreciate you asking a few questions um, Ro uh, thank you so much for um, for for joining us uh, I'm very excited about this and um, I think our audience will appreciate it too Thanks for inviting me. This podcast was created by Nick Charles and Alex Lines, partners at Notation. Notation is a first check venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams in the trenches from day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Thanks to Carta for sponsoring this episode. eShares is now Carta. We use the product at Notation and recommend it to all the companies we work with. Carta also has a product specifically for LPs. Carta for LPs allows you to easily manage K1s, capital calls, investment KPIs, and more. If you want to learn more about Carta for LPs, visit carta.com. We'd also like to thank Silicon Valley Bank. SVB is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors. Their experts help innovators, enterprises, and investors move their bold ideas forward. Tap into the experience and connections of the SVB team for advice on strategic, operational, and tactical issues and limited partner insights. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC. If you like this episode, please share and remember to tag it with the hashtag OpenLP. We'd also like to thank Ben Glaue, who is our amazing audio engineer. You should work with him. You can find Ben on Twitter at visible underscore sound. <laughs>